Now, most of us have gone through periods of trying to just get a bit healthier, whether it was due to a scare or wanting just to get fitter to look and feel better. A few years ago, I have to be honest, I got a bit of a land when I was told I had high blood pressure and I needed to take better care of myself. One of the things I did was I learned to cook for myself and I had a closer look at my alcohol consumption. And one of the people I met along the way who helped me um, to go in the right direction, I might say, is Andy Ramage. And it's great to have you in this morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to see you. I I, I kind of, that's the magic of social media, isn't it? I kind of know exactly what you've been doing because I follow you on Instagram. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And uh, you have been uh, on holiday in Ireland. Yes, in the sunny southeast, Domor East. Fabulous. You have a little love affair with Ireland, do you? I do, yeah. I came over in 1998 to play football for Sligo Rovers. No way. I arrived into Knock Airport, (laughs) which was a bit of a difference from southeast London, where I grew up. Nicky Brujos, the goalkeeper at Sligo Rovers, picked me up and... I fell in love with the place instantly. The crack, the connection, people saying hello to you in the street. You were just talking about that. That was something I'd never experienced before. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And I still love Ireland. My, my wife's Irish now as well. So uh, actually on that, did you find it a bit odd people saying hello to you in the street? Yeah, absolutely. I was sort of looking behind me as if to say, yeah. who are they talking to? And my, my partner's Polish and just on that, and he explained to me that in Poland, if someone says hello to you in the street, it's actually kind of rude because you've never been introduced. Right. So it's a kind of just slightly different culturally. Is that interesting? Because I go, hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> but you, anyway, you came and stole an Irish girl. Well done you. Yes. Uh, who's your wife? Tara, well, it was Tara Campbell, now Ta- Tara Ramage. And you have two beautiful daughters. Molly and Ruby, yeah. How old are they? They are 15 and 17. Oh, wow. Wow, really? So, so they're right in the mix. Oh, wow. Because yeah. when I met you, they were only eight, nine, I think. I know, there you go. Great anyway, big you were a serious footballer back then when you flew in. Yeah. So tell me about your football career. I loved it. I was a professional footballer in the UK till my early 20s. Wasn't good enough. So jumped on the boat over to Ireland to play. I got injured really quickly uh, when I was at Sligo and limped around for a couple more years. But stayed in Ireland because I loved Ireland. You know, unfortunately, my football career ended, but my love affair with Ireland began. And yeah, hence why I'm still here. Do you think you might end up retiring here? I always Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah, it's definitely on the cards. I've tried to get the girls over, <laughs> but trying to move teenagers is a difficult thing. Oh, I can imagine. OK, so when we first met a few years ago, I had you on my Facebook Live. Remember, yeah. I, I was learning to cook. People had to bring five ingredients and show me something in 15 minutes. But also yours was on really to talk about the effects of alcohol on our blood pressure and what the options are around sort of I suppose, reframing our relationship with alcohol. And you were part of an organisation that you'd started uh, called One Beer, One Year No Beer, which I'd stumbled across. It's a great catchy name. Yeah. So how did that One Year No Beer, tell people what that was or is. That began really as a challenge for me back in the day, my mid-30s, I'd sort of reached that point where alcohol wasn't serving me anymore as a middle lane drinker. So it's really important to define that. Middle lane drinker being someone that would drink averagely, sometimes heavily, sometimes moderately, sometimes not at all which is about 70% of the Irish population and the global population. That's who I'm really talking to. Um, and that was me. And actually, I realised by taking a break, I got all these incredible advantages. But it was so hard to take a break 10 years ago because trying to tell your friends that you're not going to drink or clients that I had, you'd get your rubber arm twisted, you'd get told that you were boring. So I made up the concept of a challenge, really just to buy me some time to get the space to take a break and test it out. And then when I got the incredible benefits, that was it. That was something that was so inspirational. I just wanted to share it. I didn't know how I was going to share it. I wrote a little book, started the little rhyme one, you know, beer and it's blossomed. And between that and the dry app, probably inspired hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people now. So I remember at the time saying to you, you're onto something here. People are uncomfortable with their relationship with alcohol mm. and they and they needed language around 
just reframing it. So a 28 day challenge, you know, the, the, the setting a challenge was a clever. Do you understand what you were doing at the time? Yeah, because we knew we had to make it accessible to people. Right. A forever thing is too much. It's too much for people to try. I'm all about, and you know, my approach is very much celebrating and singing the joys, the benefits of taking a break. And the best way to do that is to take a short term break with the right mindset. And the right mindset being, what are the wins that you get? Are you fitter, faster? Have you got more time? Has that low-grade anxiety disappeared? Are you more consistent in the way you move your body, the way you nourish your body? Are your relationships better? Are you better in your career? Does your skin start to glow? When you experience that, you can't unsee it. And I think that inspires a lot of people to continue on their alcohol-free adventure. So uh, you had a 28-day challenge, then you, you grew it to a 90-day challenge. And... So when did you have your last drink? Are you, are you, you're sober, you don't drink at all? So, yeah, uh, 10 years ago, pretty okay. much. Okay. Yeah. And does your partner drink? Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. And how does that work? All of my friends still drink. Most of my family still drink. Albeit they drink less, I think, because I've probably inspired them in many ways. But I think it's important that individuals make their own choice. For me, it was no longer serving me. And the benefits that I got from taking a break were so transformational. Yet for other people, it could be a different story. So for me... Tara and I, for 50%, we've been married 18 years just recently. Congratulations. Got married in Killashi. <laughs> Congratulations. Which is lovely. Uh, for 50% that time, I haven't drunk. So we have that lovely relationship. If Tara wants to crack on and go for it, like she does at times, brilliant, go for it. And, and I'll do something slightly different. But it works brilliantly for us. You know, she's my biggest supporter and I'm her biggest supporter. I, I hate to dwell on that, but for me, it's a very inspiring element to it because it is a personal choice. Yeah. And so you want to be cautious always about becoming preachy yeah. and people particularly don't like they're, they're concerned about we know we we all know sometimes we drink too much if we do drink alcohol sometimes some people don't drink of course but we all feel like and I'm not speaking for everybody but I can say for my group of friends and my relatives there's always a point where you're like never again that never again phrase comes up yeah. quite a lot right so how do you avoid or how do you I suppose put that message out without scaring people yeah, so my approach has always been the same. Show them rather than tell them. Gandhi said it, didn't it? Be the change you want to see in the world. So for me, I think the most inspirational thing you can do if you've got a loved one, a friend, a colleague that you want to help change their relationship with alcohol, rather than tell them, show them. Take a break yourself. Celebrate the benefits. If you look better, feel better, you're fitter, faster. The message that that sends is a thousand times more powerful than some preachy, you need to do this or you need to do that. So take me back to when, when as you said, how long ago since you, you stopped? About 10 years. About 10 years. Was it difficult at the start? Really difficult. The social pressure was immense. I was a broker in the city, one of the guys. Uh, in the in suits. The bright jacket, screaming and shouting at one another, all about entertaining. So clients would twist my rubber arm. Friends would twist my rubber arm consistently into having a drink because that social pressure was immense. Hence why I needed a challenge almost approach in the end just to get a bit of a head of steam up to experience the benefits to such a point when I started to feel better, that anxiety went, I started to lose weight. I lost three stone Did you? in weight. Yeah, I mean, the research is there. So on average, if you take a 28-day break as a middle-lane drinker, you'll lose three kilograms in weight. This is on average. Reduce your liver, dangerous liver fat by 40%. Reduce your risk of type 2 diabetes, certain types of cancer. I interviewed Professor Kevin Moore just recently who conducted that study. He said if these results were found in a pill form, it would be worth billions and everyone would want it. I mean, that's just the physiological benefits are incredible. My resting heart rate went from 68 down to 42. Wow. You know, my rosacea, which I was told was a permanent skin issue, vanished. 
paused and reversed heart disease. I mean, the physiological benefits, let alone the psychological benefits, I had anxiety went away. I was fitter, faster, more consistent in my relationships, in my career. The results are staggering. That's why I'm just trying to encourage people just to take a little break and have a look. Because if you receive some of those benefits, what a wonderful discovery that would be. So there's two big areas for me that are the two that aren't really talked about. One is sleep. Yeah. And the other is anxiety. And it, it this the sleep is incredible so for full disclosure I met Andy and then did I think I did a month yep. then I did 90 days then, then blah, 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 and then I went on holiday and then at Christmas and then at a month so I kind of I, I play with it yeah. um, full disclosure as lots of people I know who take a break is kind of to prove to yourself you don't have a problem with it that, that's a that's a big motivation mm. in terms of our culture I think as well and then you're really, but then the sleep <laughs> so alcohol actually steals your ability to sleep because now jump in here now because I just read this it releases adrenaline right at later on to compensate for the uh, sort of the, the anaesthetic effect is that right so you explain that how it affects your sleep alcohol. yeah so and basically you end up with lots of micro awakenings throughout the night so body's withdrawing from alcohol effectively and micro awakenings are so subtle you don't know you're not conscious of those awakenings but you might micro awake a hundred times so instead of you getting in the deep replenishing restorative sleep you stay at those higher levels so even though it might have knocked you out for eight hours we've all had that experience you wake up feeling really groggy and tired you can't understand it because you're not getting into the deeper layers where you restore and you replenish so imagine how many people and that's just one or two drinks by the way are suffering from poor sleep. And if you look at the research around poor sleep in terms of our mental health, in terms of productivity, in terms of motivation, in terms of grumpiness, mm. you know, the game changer when you stop those one or two drinks and you sleep better is transformational. So how long does it take for the good sleep to kick in? Because it's varied for me. Yes. Like the first time I took a break, right, all of a sudden within two days, I was like, boom, eight hours sleep. Like I, I, thought, I, I thought I put my poor sleep down to just getting older. You just don't need as much sleep. You just need five or six hours. It came back. Now, the next time I took a break, it didn't come back as quickly. <laughs> the good sleep. Like, how, why does that vary? I think that's just a mixture. I think it depends on where you're at and your relationship at the time with alcohol. But it does kick in. That's the thing I like to say to people. It will kick in. And even though you might sleep less, the quality of that sleep is so much better. And I think that's why people go on these transformations in their body and in their minds. For one of the big reasons is quality sleep. See, the only problem I have in that we you have we have to find the language, and I think I think that's why I talked about the fact that your wife drinks still. It's finding the middle ground to not scare people. But, but like people are evangelical about when they give up, and that's kind of scares drinkers off a little bit. So on the same day uh, Andy gave up alcohol, first January two hundred twenty eight days. I'm two hundred twenty eight days, loving the challenge. Uh, I don't think I'll go back. A texter says, listening to Andy just realised I'm actually a year since I decided to end my relationship with alcohol, but never look back. Being such a transformative experience, and the phrase can't unsee it, as Andy said, it's it's very. Uh, pertinent for me can't see any value in going back live and let live so I've no bother going to the pub etc I've even been to stag so people are can still get out thank you so much Rory people can still get out and, and exist because I think that's another barrier is people are afraid social like because actually what alcohol does just you know makes you more relaxed in social environments makes it easier to tolerate difficult people makes it easier for family occasions you know how do you counter that yeah well i think what we've seen is the rise of the alcohol-free drinks industry oh, it's, oh my god it's different isn't it i mean in ireland i think in the last three or four years alcohol-free drink sales have risen by about 275 300 percent in the uk about 500 percent 
it's ubiquitous now. When I got into this 10 years ago, there was no options. Yeah. Whereas now you can go to the pub, the restaurant, you can celebrate, you can be part of the crack, part of the banter, and you can choose alcohol-free options and feel grown up. I was just on holiday in Dummer East, as mentioned, the Strand pub there, Stranding pub, the alcohol-free alternatives are flying off the shelves. You go up to the real, I guess, pub powers up the road. There's alcohol-free alternatives on draft in bottle form, even the chipper had, it was a bit of a posh chipper, but it had free alcohol-free alternatives. That's that's a revolution. Somebody's asking me here, what does Andy drink when he goes to the pub and, and does he like going to the pub? Yeah, all the time. I'm there a lot because for me, what is Ireland, you know, symbolic of is the crack. It's yeah. that sharp-witted, that beautiful nature that the Irish have. And that's not alcohol, is it? It's the people that bring the crack. And I think the pub is a wonderful place. You do it better than anywhere else in the world to bring people together. So I've talked to, I want to get on to anxiety in a minute because I think this, the whole area of anxiety is fascinating and the effect alcohol has on it. But let's talk specifically about Irish people. We do have a, a guilt around our relationship with alcohol. We do generally think, you know, we're known abroad as the drinkers. We, we, we don't like that. I, I can safely say we mm. pretty much mostly are, don't like that, that badge that we get to wear internationally. Is it still true of Irish people, in your opinion? I, I don't think it is, I think. And, and I've spent lots of time with Irish people and in Ireland. I think what's beautiful about the Irish people is that connection, is that crack. And that's the people not the alcohol. Mm. And I think clever marketing has somehow enmeshed the two together. So we think of alcohol and the crack, but the crack's got nothing to do with alcohol. People say, you know, I need alcohol to socialise. No, you don't. You socialise all the time in the office when you bump into that person in the street. People need alcohol to have fun. No, you don't. You have fun all the time without it. And what's great now, you can go into those traditional places like the pub and still have more crack, more banter, because you're sharp-witted, drive home, get up in the morning and go and climb oh, a I mountain. I have to say, I have to just, the smug drive home. Yeah, it's you, beautiful. Oh, the smug drive home. <laughs> That's nearly worth all of it, isn't it? Just like, I can't believe I'm driving home and I'm sober. This is amazing. So the smug drive home, I definitely would recommend. Now, I want to dive into, people may or may not know, but alcohol, it feels like it's relaxing you. That's been a, a kind of a common myth. In every movie we see, when there's a stressful moment, she, he, they reach for the wine, reach for the, the, the gin, reach for the vodka, whatever it is, and knock it back. And that, the way movies used to tell cigarettes relax you, you yeah. know. It's, it's not true at all with alcohol. It does not relax you, or does it? Can you explain that? It gives that appearance of relaxation because it, it affects you at the neurochemical level. And it spikes dopamine, for example, which gives you those feel-good feelings for about 10 minutes. So basically, when you take alcohol, it gives you a dopamine hit, which is a natural in, in your brain, which is the feeling that makes me feel relaxed or yeah, chilled. exactly. At a neurochemical level. But what happens then is you go into a mini state of withdrawal. So we've all known it. If you have one or two drinks and you stop, how do you feel? You feel less relaxed. You feel a bit groggy, a bit tired. And the only way out of that... Is to have another drink. <laughs> and then, of course, you're chasing that dragon all evening. And then what happens the next day? Your body's going into a state of withdrawal, hence why you feel anxious or a bit anxious or a bit grey or a bit down. So the very thing, there's so much mythology around alcohol that you think is relaxing you, is the very thing that's causing you the stress in the first place that you need to relax from. So it's almost this vicious circle. And, and a couple of books that I've read... I got really into quit lit, as they, as they call it, because yes. there's some great personal stories of people's journeys, some really brilliantly book. Claire Pooley's a great writer, love, love her book. And your books are brilliant. We'll talk about them in a second. But actually, continuing to drink alcohol to relax, it actually, 
it actually grows your anxiety way beyond what it would normally be. Isn't that right? It, it, it builds. Absolutely. And I think talking of dopamine, because your brain's so clever, it prepares in advance for a big dopamine hit. So it puts you actually into dopamine negative. So the world feels a bit grey. So the small winds, like climbing a mountain, a sunrise, a sunset, are only bumping you up to neutral. So they're not joyous anymore. So when you remove alcohol and you go back to dopamine neutral, those little bumps of a sunrise or climbing a mountain or embracing a loved one are joyful again. So it actually steals your joy. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. When you actually consider that your dopamine's below where it should be, so it brings you back to normal. Whereas if you remove it, it can. That's just a minute. I'm having the, the screen has gone on fire here with the texts for you. It's like, uh, it's four years done this August. Thanks to Andy and One Year No Beer. He's a legend and has helped so many people self esteem. Thanks, Brian and Dennis. Thank you, Brian. Um, tell me about the dry app. So One Year No Beer, you're not, you, you started with Rory and he's off doing that, but you've really? moved away from that now. Yeah, so really, I'm just constantly trying to set up new initiatives and ideas to inspire people to take a break from alcohol and dry which is d-r-y-y it's a free app online community is another part of that process and it's inspiring tens of thousands of people already men many of whom are irish really to come together in a safe space because i think when you take a break from alcohol it is a solo mission you'll very often find that your friends and your families all still drink a bit like mine in many ways. I love that description. It's a solo mission. It's something you decide. Because, you know, and this, here's the big cliche, and I say this to myself all the time. It doesn't matter where you are, who you're with. Happiness is an inside job. Absolutely. And it's the same with this alcohol-free adventure. So to have that power in your pocket of community and connection in an app, and you've been in there, it's incredible. The inspirational stories, the comments, the likes, the motivation that happens in that place that's in your pocket, that's with you 24-7, is incredible. And for me, that helps people stay on the alcohol-free adventure long enough to figure it out for themselves that for them this is a great thing. So those apps, those communities, I think are so important in the alcohol-free space. And that's what's exploded over the last five or ten years, which I think has really helped the whole movement gain this massive traction. So do you think, and again, back to when you started this, it was... you were seen as boring. You, you'd lie and say you were on antibiotics if you didn't yeah. want to. You had to make up all these excuses. I now, if I'm not drinking, say it very proudly. I do, and, I, and, and my group of friends know that it's a bit naff to challenge me for not drinking. It, there's a, and I don't just mean my group of friends are enlightened. I mean, in general, I can tell people know you commenting someone's not drinking is not a cool thing anymore. It's none of your business. You just go, okay. And but and also I was I recently was taking a little break. Just, I took the month off before my birthday, before I went on holiday and I was busy at work and I really enjoyed the break. I noticed in my family, there's no pressure. They're not drinky people. They would never, if I'm not drinking, they just assume you're driving. So the, the whole culture has changed, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's borderline a revolution, even in the last four or five years. Do you think? Yeah, I really believe that. You know, having been someone that's seen it all the way through, the rise of the alcohol-free drinks alternatives, people are becoming much more comfortable with it. Yes, there's still a bit of ribbing from friends and family members and colleagues when you decide to take a break, but people are becoming much more used to it now. And there's so many people out there inspiring others to take a break. A story yesterday, I went for a hike with a great friend of mine, Colm Carroll, who's also committed to taking a six-month break from alcohol, which is pretty cool for Colm. Anyway, so we climbed the Sugarloaf Mountain Very good. in Wicklow. We got to the top, there was that mist, and we couldn't see anything, and the mist dissipated, and we got these beautiful views. And wow. then this lady appeared, and she looked at me and said, this is the top of a mountain, there's just me and Colm <laughs> and a lady. And she looks at me and says, are you Andy? I'm like, yeah. And she went, 
No way, I've been following you for ages. I've taken loads of breaks from alcohol. I'm one and a half years alcohol free today and I decided to climb this oh, mountain. Wow. It's at the top of a mountain. And as she said herself, she feels fitter, faster. She's climbing mountains. She's been to loads of festivals this year. Jen Murphy was her name with her friend. She's the designated driver. She feels better than she's ever felt before. And to celebrate, she's on the top of a mountain. And I'm up there, another alcohol-free adventurer. That's the difference right there. Okay, so you, you are the guru of this now. And people are listening. And there's probably somebody sitting there right now with a hangover going, okay, never again. And we've all been that soldier. So we're right with you, whoever you are. Or there's probably somebody saying, okay, I'm heading into a big weekend and I don't want to drink. What are your tips for starting an alcohol-free journey or break or whatever? Really obvious one, start today. There's never a perfect time because you'll look in the diary and go, oh, can't do it. There's the 40th, there's the christening, there's the confirmation. Start today. Download the Dry app, D-R-Y-Y. <laughs> okay, yeah. Get involved it's in that. It's free though, isn't of it? Of course, it yeah, is yeah, free. Yeah, yeah. Get involved in that. Um, and then throw yourself into the benefits. So it's not about giving anything up. It's about what other advantages you're going to gain. Really focus on those. Do you feel a bit fitter? Are you sleeping a bit better? Are you a bit more motivated? Maybe less grumpy? Are you a bit more consistent in the way you're moving your body? Maybe you lose some weight, like I described. Maybe that low-grade anxiety starts to dissipate and disappear. If you focus on the wins, it'll make a huge difference. And then the alcohol-free alternatives. They're brilliant. They're everywhere. They're in every restaurant, every bar. They're even in the chippers, as I mentioned before. Try some of those. Throw yourself into the alcohol-free action. Don't lock yourself away. Become even more sociable. And when you demonstrate yourself, you can still socialise and have fun and have the crack without drinking. Then you've just opened up your whole world. To this I just want to say, if you're listening and you need help around alcohol, of course, visit rt.e forward slash helpline. That's very important because there are very various levels to alcohol addiction, of course. And we're talking about middle lane middle drinking, lane. as we said. Uh, Andy, I could listen to you all day. You're absolutely amazing. A true inspiration. And thank you so much for all the support you've shown me over the years thank you very very much have a great weekend uh, let's take a little break